Okay, Ruth chapter two. And we're going to read in verses one through three. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. I'll just read the whole thing, Will. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, go, my daughter. Verse three. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap, she just happened, her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. So in Living Well class, we've been studying the book of Ruth. And we've come to the part of the story where Naomi and Ruth are back in Bethlehem. Okay, look at chapter 1, verse 22. And what you will see there is that they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of barley harvest. So they left Bethlehem because of a famine. There was no food. And after suffering great loss as refugees in a strange country, God brings them back home at the time of the harvest. Now, for the Bible students, the beginning of the barley harvest was right after the feast of Passover. The feast of Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. Unleavened bread. And first fruits all happened within the same seven or ten days. And that first fruits was the beginning of the barley harvest. That is the time frame that Naomi and Ruth have now come home. The next feast, by the way, if you study in Leviticus 23, you'll find is the Feast of Pentecost. 50 days after the Feast of First Fruits, there's another First Fruits. That's the first fruit of the wheat harvest. Okay, the next feast after that would be in the seventh month. So LFBI students, what is the next feast after Pentecost? 
the Feast of Trumpets would be the next feast, yes. That feast ends the wheat harvest. So these are both agricultural feast days and religious feast days. So in what we've seen in Ruth, Ruth is the Gentile bride who marries the redeeming kinsman. So who does Ruth represent for us? Anybody? The church. Okay, so Ruth pictures the church laboring in the field. Boaz pictures whom? Jesus Christ. So I want you to look at the verses again. In verse 3, we see that Ruth happened to be in a part of the field belonging to Boaz. So Boaz was a mighty man of wealth. He had many fields. And Ruth was in a part of the field of Boaz. And what we want to see this morning is how we can have a part in the field the Lord has given us. We're going to look at methods of evangelism. How to own a part of the field that belongs to our Lord. So for our explanation, and this is on your handout, we're going to look quickly at the picture of the field. And then we're going to look at the, some parts of the field. All right, so turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. In Matthew chapter 13, there are many parables. And we can get a good idea of how we're supposed to see the world. So first I'm going to read verses 3 through 9. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he had sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root. They withered away. Verse 7, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, 
some 30-fold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. All right, we get the explanation for this parable in verses 18 through 23. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then come the, cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received the seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it, but yet he hath no root in himself, but dureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. And he also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world. And the deceitfulness of riches choketh the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But, verse 23, he that receiveth the seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. Okay. The Lord said, he that hath ears, let him hear. The Jews at this point in time did not have ears to hear. But I'm going to use my medical training here for a minute. And yeah, I think everyone has ears. Yeah, okay. So if you have ears to hear, listen. The world is a field. And seeds are being sown into the heart of souls in that field. Ruth, who pictures the church, had a heart desire to go and glean in the fields of Boaz. The church with ears to hear needs to examine itself. We need to examine ourselves. Where is my desire to go into the fields and be part of the harvest. There's churches all over the world. Both Pastor Will and I have the opportunity to go all over the world. Everywhere we go, there's churches. You know what we don't find when we go around the world? People going evangelizing, baptizing, discipling, training leaders, and sending them out to plant churches. The church is missing the mark. And the problem is we don't have ears to hear and eyes to see. 
So, it, it, you know, in case you missed it in, in that parable, if we continued through Matthew 13, in verses 24 and 25, there's another parable. The Lord says, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which soweth good seed in a field. Verse 24. Verse 25, but when men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat, and he went his way. This parable is explained in verses 37 and 38. But you already know the explanation. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. And then look at verse 38. The field is the world. The good seeds are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. One of the great deceptions of our enemy, the devil, is to keep us blind to what we're seeing this morning. Is that the world is a field and you are laborers in that field. And you've been given the seed of the message of the kingdom to sow that seed into the souls of humanity. So, this morning, this is not the only way to view the different parts of the field. But it is a way that I believe can be very equipping. So, to compare scripture with scripture, turn with me to Acts chapter 17. Acts 17, 17. What we have is the Apostle Paul as an example of different methods of evangelism. I'm going to read Acts chapter 17, verses 17 through 22. Paul is in Athens waiting to meet with his group. Verse 16. Now, while Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore, disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons, and in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him and said, What will this babbler say? Other some. He seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him unto the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is? Verse 20. 
for thou bearest certain uh, strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. And then he goes on and he, and he, and he preaches them, preaches Christ through their culture. 16 to 2.22. Okay, perfect. So let's go to the next slide for me. Okay, in... So this, it's not the same order as your handout. I was trying to spell out Christ as an acronym on your handout, and I couldn't make it work. So it's not in the same order, but, but that's okay. Okay. First of all, Paul's spirit was stirred up in him. So he did something about it. The first thing he did is he went to the synagogue where the religious Jews would meet. The synagogue was an institution that was already established. So this type of evangelism I'm calling institutional. This is a church event or a school or business event. That provides you an opportunity to share your faith. Yesterday, I, I had a conference all day through the staffing company that I work with. At the beginning of this conference, the boss stood up and shared his faith with everybody there. If you open up your business for a Bible study, or when someone comes as a visitor to the service, institutional evangelism. Okay, next slide. The same in Spanish, okay? Okay, next slide. So we talked about institutional evangelism. The next type we want to talk about is relational evangelism. Paul met with the devout persons. Paul was devout. Go to the next slide for me. Okay. Paul found people that he had something in common with. And he met with them. So maybe it would be uh, family. Obviously, you have something in common with your family. Co-workers. Friends, sports fans, people who's who's has kids on your kids' soccer team, 
any sort of relationship that would give you an open door to a conversation. is an opportunity to share your faith. Okay, next. And in the market daily with them that met with him. So Paul goes to the synagogue in the morning. He has lunch with, with people he has something in common with. And then he just goes out into the marketplace with his gospel tracks and just sees if there's people that will meet with him. Confrontational evangelism. Go to the next slide. Okay. So in this one verse, here's some different methods of evangelism. Institutional, relational, and confrontational. You guys with us so far? Okay, let's go on. So, make a joke? I'm not that funny. Way too serious? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, okay, so. Uh, I, I got a story for confrontation. Okay, got a story. The first missions trip that Midtown Baptist Temple took. We, we were not even a church yet, I don't think. So we took a trip to El Salvador. <laughs> In El Salvador. So, so Christine was on that trip. Now, Jim Mel got us into the Catholic schools. So hundreds of kids who were religious, but probably mostly lost, yeah? So we were able to go in and teach Christian values. So go back to the previous slide. We had a chance to do institutional evangelism. Okay, so we started going, we, we all just went in this school. Nobody knew what they were doing, except for the Mills. And so, so Jim, as we were walking through the hallway, he'd say, you go in that classroom and then send Hillary in there to translate. So Bill and Hillary would go in to teach values. So you, you know what the greatest value is. It's love. 
You know why some people can't show love? They really haven't received love. You know, 1 John 3.16 says, Hereby perceive we the love of God. Hereby, 1 John 3.16. Okay, in one minute, we go from teaching values to giving the gospel. Yeah, so Christine is very, very gifted with kids. As long as they're under four years of old age. So we come to a classroom packed full of high school boys. And the teacher is in front of the class yelling at these boys. <clears throat> we walk up to the classroom. Jim Mel goes. You. In there. With Stephen, who was like eight at the time. So Christine is, is she just explained, oh, no, Jim. I, I, I actually like working with the, the little kids. So Jim, with his sensitive, loving heart, opened the door, pushed Christine in the door, Grabbed Stephen to translate, pushed her in, and shut the door and held it closed. So Christine comes in, and all these boys are just staring at her. And the teacher just goes and sits down and is like, here you go. Okay, how did that go, Christine? Seventeen kids prayed a profession of faith. Ask Scott Growth about institutional evangelism in Nairobi. He was invited to go teach at a Seventh-day Adventist school. A school full of religious but lost kids. So what did Scott teach? I don't know, but it got to the gospel very quickly. How many professions of faith? Seventeen, twenty kids. Yeah. Okay. You guys, if we can find or create institutional, relational, or even confrontational evangelism, we will be doing the job of laborers in the field. Okay, two more real quick, next. So, verse, uh, verse 19. 
This is Acts 17, verse 19. So they took Paul and brought him unto this open area to speak, saying, may we know what this new doctrine is that you're talking about? Okay, there are people who are interested in the message, but they're not ready to make a profession of faith. Invite them. Come and see. And when people can come into a place like this and see the love of God as we interact with each other, they're going to be convinced. Now, so invitational evangelism is also good for skeptics. So if you share the gospel and someone's like, I don't think so. You don't have to throw away that interaction. This is the point at which you would say, oh, I love that. You're not just convinced by what I'm saying. You're the kind of person who has to see for themselves. I love that. I really don't love that, but I'm saying I love that because I want to maintain this relationship. Okay, so why don't you come and see for yourself? Where else are you going to go where someone will just do a Bible study with you? Like, we'll just open the Bible. You can ask whatever questions you want. No questions are, are out of bounds. You just, you come with your questions, your skepticism, and we'll just see what it says. Or invite them to come join us here. Okay, and then finally, we have street preaching. In verse 22, Paul goes to Mars Hill, and he just starts doing open-air preaching. Oh, so, what we have in terms of an application... You'll see on your handout. First of all, we are laborers in the field. We must see the world as a field of souls. That's what Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 4. They went into town, into Sychar, to get food. And they're bringing Jesus the sandwich. And he said, I have food that you don't know about. My meat is to do the will of my father. Now, the woman had gone to Sychar and told them all about Jesus. And all the city was coming out to see what she was talking about. 
And Jesus pointed to all the people coming out of the, the city. Y entonces Jesús apuntó a la gente que venía a la ciudad. And he says, look, y él dijo, Vea, the fields are white unto harvest. Los terrenos están llenos para esta cosecha. Están he was looking at the people. Y él estaba viendo a la gente. And he said, the laborers are few. The harvest is there. The field is there. Where's the laborers? That's the question. He that has ears, let him hear. We are the laborers in the field. You know, dirt isn't that great. It's what grows in it that makes fields valuable. Or a vineyard or a garden. It's what grows in it that makes it worth something. So Ruth was in the field until the end of the harvest. That Feast of Trumpets, if you'll remember. When the trumpet sounds and the harvest ends, Bible students, the harvest is over and the laborers are done. And there's no more opportunity to go and to evangelize. Maybe you don't have the opportunity to, to do institutional evangelism. You know, I don't do street preaching in our country because it's not effective. Confrontational evangelism can be fruitful especially if you have a gift of evangelism. Okay. It's very effective in Nairobi. I have found it to be kind of effective, but not in making disciples. In terms of fulfilling the entire Great Commission. What I found is institutional and relational evangelism is what works the best. If we can keep the relationship going and present truth from creation to Christ over, over an open Bible, by the time people come to Christ, they're ready to continue with Christ. I don't get that when I just meet somebody, present the gospel, and they receive Christ. Now, we should do that. I don't want anybody to spend eternity separated from God So we should be quick with the gospel. 
You need to have that gospel track in your back pocket and know how to use it. But as classes, I suggest we would focus on our Bible studies. Relationship and institutional evangelism. So here, here's questions for discussion. How stirred up is your spirit to do evangelism? Okay, so before you answer that question, let's all just confess. It's not stirred up as much as it should be. Okay, okay. So we've got that out of the way. Can we just look at this strategically, biblically, and ask ourselves the question, if my spirit is not stirred up for evangelism, then why not? If hell is real and the Bible is true, how can I just sleep at night knowing friends and family are separated from God by their sin? Okay, listen. Our spirits aren't stirred up as much as they should be. We've already decided that. What's the problem? Why? Can we, can we look at this objectively and strategically? That's one thing to do in your small group. Number two, do you know how to invite people to church? Do you know how to invite visitors to this fellowship or your fellowship? Do you know how to create a fellowship event that you can invite people to? Do you know how to share the gospel? Do you know how to lead someone to Christ? Do you know how to host a Bible study or lead a Bible study? Do you know how to do discovery Bible method? So, so you know, where are you at in terms of being equipped or enabled to be a laborer in the field? Okay. I'm not where I should be in terms of evangelism. Neither are you. Okay. Lord, we're sorry. Okay, now, can we just strategically and objectively look at what will it take for us to fulfill the mission that God's given us before the trumpet sounds and it's too late? Okay, number three, would you like to have some evangelism training in terms of our fellowships? Okay, so just small groups, meet with the person next to you or turn your chairs around. 
take a few minutes. Let's, let's go to the next slide. Okay, so just take a few minutes and let's discuss these things and then and then Will's gonna close us out. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, let's do this. Actually, I'm gonna change because we're gonna be out of time. We just have a few minutes. Okay, so um, anybody have anything that you, you wanna share? Like, so this is one giant small group is what we're doing now. Okay, all right, so Patrick. So practical evangelism training within the fellowship. Patrick is saying that's something he would be interested in. Anyone else? Like if we did practical evangelism training within the fellowship, who thinks that'd be cool? Yeah, good. Okay, now. Yeah. So the question was, where can we get more gospel tracks? And they're, they're oh. yes. Yeah. Good job now, right? Okay. Um, hey, hang on. Anything anything else? One more thing maybe before we pray and wrap it up. Okay, so if not, I have some questions for you. How many of you are gifted in such a way that you feel like you could host a Bible study? Raise your hand real big. Okay. Not, not everybody is gifted in the area of hospitality. but some of you get it. How many of you would say, I think I would be gifted to lead a Bible study? Okay. So look, like the people who can host ought to get with the people who can lead. And now you have something to invite people to. Okay. How many of you think like, 
if your fellowship were to put resources together, you would be able to create an event for the Spanish class or for Living Well that we could invite people to. How many, how many are administratively gifted to where you could do that? I'm not raising my hand because Christine would, yeah. Okay, so, so just real quick. How many of you feel like if there was an event and people invited their friends and their family that you would be able to share the gospel with somebody at that event? Okay, so here's my question for you. What if we all work together? Could we not, as laborers in the field, bring souls to the Lord of the harvest? One thing that burdens me a little bit is that we can have a fellowship that isn't actually a fellowship of those doing the ministry. Like, like we could just meet and have a service together, but not actually be laborers together in the field. Yeah, and I think if we could just work together and pool our gifting and our resources... I think God could use it mightily. So we do our uh, every fifth Sunday, the fifth Sundays of the month. We do a potluck. It's a chance to invite my neighbors who probably wouldn't come to church. But they grew up going to church. Like, they'll come to the potluck. Yeah. So, so listen. Let's pray. Let's work together. Let's figure out how we can all, as a group, the Spanish class, and living well, make sure that when that trumpet sounds and the harvest ends, we can show that we've been laboring in that field. Yeah. Okay, so we need to probably wrap it up and send people to get their kids. Good? All right. Yeah, pray. Okay.